Hey y'all, this is Eric and you're listening to Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. Um, this is going to be chapter two of the Rompola Buck series that we're pretty much trying to cover. Um, we were going to do it a little bit more frequent, but life kind of got in the way. Uh, so I'm going to have my buddy Andy come back on. And this dude, you know, if you haven't listened to the first episode, go back and listen to it. The audio was a little, you know, a little shoddy, but we got it fixed. Uh, you can hear everything, no issues. And, you know, we kind of cover why we think it could be real. And I'll be honest, going into this conversation, I was not convinced. But now, I don't know. I, it, You know, logic is kind of going the other way for me. So I don't know. I, I'm still kind of on the fence. Um, I would like to think that it's real. But, you know, we cover all the reasons why we would say it is. And then we are going to do another episode why we say it's not. So before we get into that, I need to thank the sponsors. Um, Osseo Gear, awesome camo brand. Um, totally different camo pattern than anything on the market today. And... You know, I love them. I'm, I'm actually planning on having someone from Osseo come on, uh, I think, next week. So that's going to be extremely, extremely interesting to get to hear the whole story behind that. And, you know, it's just, it's great to have them on. You know, they support a lot of other guys, too. So I love that brand. Awesome people over there. And you can save 10% by using our code um, SEBH10, and that'll save you 10% off pretty much anything site-wide uh next up got to thank summit tree stands you know i'm a huge fan of summit i actually was working on my viper uh, a couple days ago putting some stealth strips on there and, and getting it as quiet as i possibly could and uh, they're actually running a father's day deal from june 1st which has already passed <laughs> but june 1st to june 19th and it saves you 25 dollars off any climber or hang on so go check that out And, you know, you might be able to use the promo code that we have with that and save even more money. That promo code is SEBH15, saves you 15% site-wide. And, you know, why not? Season's only in about now three months, less than 100 days. So get your stuff right. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of um, season prep episodes, some early season tactic episodes. I'm going to try and get T-Bone on, Jay Maxwell, you know, maybe a couple other, I guess, bigger names, more experienced guys that can maybe help with, you know, early season tips and tactics and all of that. So last but not least, got to thank Urban Archery Outfitters and Thrill of the Outdoors. I say it all the time, go make a hunter profile. Okay. Go on there. They have awesome products you can buy. It gets you big game bucks. I don't see a reason why you wouldn't. doesn't cost you any money except when you buy the products, (laughs) but you get something back from that. And then you can put in for a auction on a property that you have permission to hunt and it doesn't have to only be in georgia it could be throughout the whole country um real quick got to give a shout out to my buddy jd cobb from drawback outdoors fantastic photography um you know he and i are both practicing for the state shoot next month and you know i'm feeling pretty confident about it it's i think it's gonna be a good time and you know hopefully we can place decent um our equipment's not as good as half the other guys but you know we weren't that far behind when we both went to the qualifier so I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. Uh, then I got to thank Andy Freeman from Double A Outdoors TV. Go check out his YouTube channel. He just did a video recently of some lighted knocks that I'm actually going to be getting. Um, they're called Halo Knocks. 
They're one of, if not the lightest, Halo not, or sorry, one of, if not the lightest knot companies out there. They come in at 20 grains. They fit all arrow sizes. Super bright, super easy to turn off. And you know, why, why spend $40 on two knocks when you can spend, you know, $40 for three? And I'm going to reach out to them, try to get somebody from the company on so we can talk about, you know, the design and all that stuff. T-Bone uses them. He's a huge fan of them. And he's the one that actually turned me on to them. So I'm going to give them a shot this year, see how they do with my regular knocks. And, you know, if I like them, I'll use them. If not, then no big deal. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for, you know, all the shout outs, all the sponsors. This episode's a good one. You know, it, Mitch, before we get into it, it's kind of a long intro, but I just want to say before you listen to this, Mitch has gone through hell and back. And the things that he's dealt with just because of one animal, I would never wish on anybody. Half the hunting community thinks he's a liar. The other half believes him. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that level of stress. And so I just want to, you know, if I know Mitch probably won't hear this, but if he does, I just want to say like, people make mistakes if you did fake it. I don't really think you did. You know, there's a lot of reasons why that we cover in this episode. Um, I'm still on the fence, like I said, but the majority of it, I'm starting to believe that that deer was possibly real because, you know, you never know what's living in the woods. We don't know every single animal that's out there. Um, in regards to, you know, deer and their sizes and all that stuff. Like it, it, it's amazing what these animals can do. So just kind of going into this episode with an open mind. And, you know, like I said, we're going to do an episode, basically the opposite of this, where we both kind of give our reasons why it could not be real, but the Ron Polobuck's a legendary deer, you know? So it, regardless, I don't know if Mitch is ever going to come out and talk about it. Um, me and Andy are kind of working on a plan to try and get in contact with him, um, with, you know, associations, I guess with like a big name company, I'm not going to name it cause there haven't been any discussions yet. We literally just talked about this last night, but, um, you know, we've got a plan, you know, and, and I'm not making it like my main focus, but it's something that I would like to know and could bring a lot of, you know, closure for a lot of people that maybe want to step on Mitch's name. And and even if he did fake it, like I said, people make mistakes. Sometimes people get wrapped up in, you know, antlers and you know it, it's obviously for the wrong reasons, but nobody's perfect. And there's there's some things that maybe he did that I wouldn't agree with. Actually, I know I wouldn't agree with, but that I don't think has anything to do with his hunting status or his hunter status, whatever you want to call it. So anyway, that's the long intro. Um Really good episode. Really, really good episode. I can't wait to get Andy back on. So, you know what? Let's just dive into it. Rampola Buck, Chapter 2. All right, guys. We got my buddy Andy here. I like to call him the uh, Rampola Buck Guru. Uh, we did an episode of probably a couple months ago, and, you know, it was just about the Rampola Buck and kind of our opinions on it. This time we're going to be sort of discussing and debating, you know, how it could be real. And then I think the next episode we do may be why we think it isn't real. So, Andy, what's going on, man? Not too much. How you doing, Eric? Good, man. Good. You know, God's got me above ground, so I really can't complain. Yeah, it's been a hot, dry spring up here in Michigan. I don't know about you guys, but it's been a scorcher so far. 
It's been oh. 90 degrees all week this week and super dry. Holy crap, dude. Y'all are hotter than we are. We've had a lot of rain. I think the highest we've hit is like 83 or 84. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah we, haven't, we haven't seen rain in, I don't know, three weeks at least. Wow. Super hot. That's insane. Super dry, super hot right now. Man, so how do you think the deer, before we jump into the Rampola stuff, how do you think the deer are holding up with how dry it is? I mean, have y'all started growing velvet yet, or is it still kind of... Yeah, yeah, so I've, I've got deer on camera that are, um, they're starting to split brow tines, so they're, uh, you know, they're they're sprouting off their main beams and, and coming up to brow tines. You know, I'm, I'm looking for those ones that are, you know, really heavy pop can antler thickness at the bases right now in velvet because everything looks thicker in velvet but um a lot of good uh young deer so far two and a half three and a half year old bucks um you know really hard to, to age them based on velvet mm-hmm. besides uh recognizing them or their body specifically but um no definitely definitely starting to grow i think you know we things start a little later here but then catch up quickly yeah, I don't, dude, I'll tell you what, man, I've been watching my camera like a hawk lately because this is really my second favorite time of year aside from deer hunting or deer season is uh, growing season. And, you know, I was telling my buddy Thor last week um, on our episode that I don't know what's going on, but like the big deer that I had on camera last year, because I had um, two target bucks, like probably late April. They were already starting to grow, and they had good bases. One of them was Pickles, the one that I ended up shooting. And this year, man, I mean, they stay the whole summer. You know, they literally did not leave. And this year, I've maybe had one deer in the past three weeks that I would consider possibly a shooter. But it's been nothing but spikes and young bucks and does. I mean, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. A lot of, we got a lot of button bucks right now. But, you know, I, I hunt in, in an area where anything three and a half years old and bigger get shot yeah and i keep trail cameras going uh in december after our season's done and in january just watching just to see what made it through for the following season for bucks and not not much over a year and a half two and a half really makes it through but i'll tell you what somehow we restock every year with with three and a half four and a half and even some five-year-old deer and i think i think you know bucks come in from other areas where they sense there's no or they find out there's no uh mature dominant buck mm-hmm. presently there and it's kind of like the um the mature deers uh the mature bucks spread out to uh fill the area available to them to dominate so it's uh i never read into things too much before probably august um but yeah we seem to reload despite uh pretty heavy hammer we put on them in, in our uh in our hunting season so yeah man it, it, it i got spoiled last year and i think that's what the problem is, is i had these actually i had three shooters on camera last year around this time and i must have just thought you know oh it's always going to be like that and now it's it's kind of like well maybe not <laughs> you know it's it's annoying but it is what it is i mean i've been putting feet out every couple weeks um and they hit it super hard for the first three or four days and then they just disappear because they eat all of it and i mean it's it's good to know like what's around and you know my gramps that owns the property um he lives on the property and he was telling me um dude he was cracking me up he was like hey uh on how short of notice do you need in order to come over here and butch a deer and i'm like well what deer season's not for another this was like two weeks ago that was like deer season's not for another four months 
I was like, what, what are you talking about? He was like, oh, I've had this deer coming around, mess with my dog, and, you know, he, the dog hates it, and he goes crazy and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, if, you know, I thought it was a doe. I'm like, well, if it's a doe with a fawn, or maybe there's a fawn nearby, that's probably why. Um, they'll move off. And he was like, no, it's a buck. And, you know, he shows up quite a bit. He's, he's got like six or seven points. And, and I stopped him and I'm like, dude, you're telling me you've got a deer, you know, in late May that already has six or seven points. And you can tell that I was like, don't shoot that deer, please. I was like, let him grow. And, And the thing is too, I was putting feet out that day and I'm like, all right, cool. If this deer really is around, he's going to show up. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a deer like that because I know there's big bucks in the area, but I haven't seen it. And so I don't know if Gramps maybe miscounted or, you know, his eyes aren't as good as they used to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was exciting because, you know, getting to hear, oh, there's this deer that's coming around. I mean, I almost might just put a, you know, cheap little Tasco camera up by their house, like where he's saying this deer's coming from, just to see if I can get a picture of it. Yeah, you might as well. That sounds like one to to let live for, for now. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, he was like, oh, no, I might shoot him. Like, Gramps, look, it's three months or four months till deer season. Just if he keeps bothering you, I'll get revenge for you opening day. Don't worry. If he's coming around like that, I got you. And because uh, he doesn't eat deer meat, so he was going to give us the meat. And, I mean, if it was a doe or like a young buck or something, I would tell him, hey, you know, because he, he claims. Now, I don't know what the rules are, the regulations in his county. As far as, like, you know, nuisance animals go, but I do know that in Georgia you can have, like, a nuisance animal tag, and the season starts, I think, either in June or July, Um, but that's, like, a farmer's tag, and I told him that, and he's like, oh, no, I talked to, I talked to the sheriff and all that, and he said, if you see one, just shoot it, it's not illegal, and I'm like, I don't know if that's true, man, like, I would hate for you to get a visit from, you know, Mr. Green Jeans and have to pay a fine yeah. and all that stuff because then you just killed an animal for no reason, you know. Well, yeah, those those nuisance clauses are a bit different from state to state, and Michigan just changed a bunch of our small game animals to uh, just in the last couple of weeks to now not requiring any license, not required to be in season. Oh wow! Uh, essentially, anything small game, rabbit, squirrels, just about everything uh, is is considered. Uh, nuisance and uh can be shot at any time but as far as the deer in the summer um we we do have you know uh crop uh crop protection permits and Mm. and the farmer's tags and those are um those are a whole nother whole nother uh interesting uh summer hunt thing that uh i've done before and it has to you know it has to be voluntary by the farmer and there's specific maps to where you can and can't shoot and um uh, they're not tags per se uh, specific to one person, but rather farmers uh, farmers get uh, included in the program and uh, issue permission. And there's more of a log uh, that has to be used for, for whoever shoots it. It's a whole different whole different animal um, from a legal standpoint and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I kind of know what you're talking about and. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure most states for those types of permits are antlerless only though, especially this time of year. Yeah, I like I said, I haven't looked into it. Um, a buddy of mine did ask me a couple of years ago if I'd want to go, and I think because he got he got permission at a place that had you know the nuisance tag or whatever, and he said he went. He didn't see anything, which I think is kind of funny because it's like 
these people are complaining about, you know, deer um, tearing up their crops. And then when a hunter goes in there, granted, it's 90 degrees, so you're sweating no matter what. Um, and they, and he didn't see anything. And I'm like, well, you kind of did the job for them if they're not coming around anymore, at least during the daytime. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I'm excited. Season's coming up soon. I mean, I can't, you know, it. it I'm, I, I'm really just looking forward to it. And I think once we, once me and my buddy JD get this state archery shoot over with, um, it's going to be like full throttle, you know? I mean, it's, it's going to be every week trying to do something to get ready for season and, you know, we could do a whole episode yeah. on that, but yeah, we got um on our property on our farm, we've got seven cell cameras going, which is kind of the off-season number that we monitor uh, the deer herd with, and then we'll be going up to about twenty uh, Tacticam uh, uh, cell cams Man. over our over our seven hundred and fifty acres. So it's a, it's a lot to cover, um, but yeah, the uh, technology, and I'll say that the uh, picture quality resolution keeps on improving getting live videos live pictures just log it into the app um, I have it set up so it's not constantly sending to my phone I can log in whenever I want mm-hmm. and uh, and check out what the activity is but yeah we'll uh, we'll be keeping an eye out uh, all over our property so yeah man. it gets a lot of fun yeah looking for that next farm polo bug <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of that um, you know now that we kind of covered everything in the normal world let's kind of dive into the crazy stuff so like i said before you know this episode we're going to center around why we think it's real now i've got my own opinions you've got yours you've sent me probably hundreds of pictures at this point and we've debated for hours on you know some of the sketchy things about it and how it could be real how it couldn't but for the sake of this episode um where do you want to start with how it could be real? Because I've heard some stories from people up there that there's giants. I mean, Garrett told me about, a, I think, a 230-inch deer that got killed a couple years ago up there. And, you know, it. I know that there's giants everywhere. Not, not saying that there's a lot of them, but they exist. I mean, I've seen one in a place that I didn't ever think I would see something like that. And, you know, so, so I mean, I guess, yes, it is possible. So what what would you say is like your kind of opening argument, I guess, for the case? Yeah, you know, it being real. Yeah, so I, I put together some notes in advance, and obviously I've spent some significant time up in up in that area this year, and uh, you know, what we have to keep in mind is Mitch was a known expert and had a strong reputation for killing big deer in non-traditional areas before this deer and that that jumps off the page to me of any of the facts um in in, in legit certified deer inspected deer dnr you know dnr aged and and uh biologist aged and inspected deer for for years um not just in that area back in his original home state of missouri mm-hmm. um he had proven a certain level of skill and knowledge uh that was uh, well beyond his time. So if you look at his track record, it's it's not like someone that went out and got lucky. Uh, it's not like someone that didn't know what they were doing or never did it before. You know, his scouting tactics, um, he was very, very um, well in tune with these deer 
even in years prior to the uh, year he took them um, as they as these bucks developed. His scent control was about it was beyond his time. Uh, he was always using the latest technology uh, for um, for bows and archery. Um, I put a post out um, just a little bit ago about um, custom shooting systems and the prototype um, bow that he used there. Uh, I mean, he had a nickname, the Swamp Master, even before this, and he proved his success in multiple states for 40 years leading up to this year. So it's it's hard to say that uh, the skill and the accolades weren't there because they were. Um, but yeah, I just think his equipment, his scouting, uh, his understanding of deer um, patterns, and uh, his scent control. I mean, the types of ghillie suits he wore and the scent. Uh, uh, set enclosing or, or uh, um, set sealing uh, suits that he wore that were almost like wetsuits. He just he did he did stuff that wasn't the norm at the time that uh, that was pretty cool and 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 just showed that he knew what he was doing in every regard. So personally, I just think yeah, some of those some of those little things um, that he did ahead of his time and and um, all his accolades leading up to that. To that deer um you know and, and, and here's the thing when we look at both sides of this as we have uh, reasons reasons um for it to be real reasons against it um it's kind of the same evidence on both sides because those that are believers use this whole track record and history of all these different big bucks he shot as supporting evidence in their favor and the naysayers or the ones who oppose it use it all the same evidence uh, against this story and saying that well you know he faked he faked all these others and this just supports um, this just supports the theory that the, he was a fraud and these were all fake so it's kind of like the same evidence grows the story in either direction Eric to be honest yeah so. I mean I've seen so you said like I said before you sent me hundreds of photos and. I've seen a lot from before the deer, before the big one, that, I mean, without a doubt, and they're, you know, basically gripping grins, except he never smiled, which was crazy, but, um... Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that, I'm gonna get to that <laughs> non-emotional point that's in my notes, but gotcha. yeah, you're, you're, you're on the money so far, for sure. Yeah, and, and so, when I first heard about the deer, not even just, you know, the... I guess attraction of oh this giant buck was killed you know somewhere that it shouldn't have been and all this other stuff when I first dove into it you know a couple years ago um, I mean I saw all the deer he shot and the fact he had a state record when he was pretty young I mean that it almost seems like if anybody was gonna do it it would be him but the thing is you know with with what everybody else was saying and then some of the other stuff that came out to light I mean that's when it kind of became hard for me in a sense, but I still would like to, you know, think, oh, that could be real. Because I've seen the recovery video. I've seen, you know, all of the photos that were from, you know, the day that he supposedly killed the deer. And, I mean, to be completely honest, dude, like, I bought it for sure. And and there's still times where I'll watch that stuff where I'll see photos or new photos surface and I'm like, well, maybe. Because, I mean, it, there are certain things about yeah. the deer, you know, that – if you just look at the, the evidence as far as the photos and the video, aside from the mount, I mean, you can't really tell. And you you mentioned something about uh, 
like DNR and all that. And what what kind of strikes me as interesting is if if he did, you know, fake the deer. I mean, that'd be kind of hard to pull off in front of DNR of all people, you know, because they know deer. They know what, you know, deer look like when they're on the ground. They know what they look like alive, what they look like dead. And the, I mean, the scrape stuff too, you know, he, he basically, I'm not going to say he taught Troy Pottinger everything he knows, because I know that's not true, but he was a very big influence on Troy uh, or coming up and it, it, the dude knew his stuff. I mean, I, I've watched videos of him talking, and he sounds exactly like, you know, Dan Infault, John Eberhardt, Troy, all these guys that are talking about, like, scrapes and scent control and wind direction and everything. And so it, it's almost hard for me to really sit on, you know, either side. That's why I'm pretty much on the fence about it still because he knew what he was doing. And people even said, you know, oh, he's – he knew deer better than he knew people he understood deer better than people and i mean that takes that takes time and dedication and it's not like you know you can't just go out in the woods and be trying to learn stuff about deer and not learn anything you know and and you don't just get the lingo by listening to other people i mean i guess you do but you know there's probably guys out there that can talk all day long about strategy and they don't have you know 180 inch deer on their wall so that's been my biggest problem is he was very well knowledge. He was a, I, I'm just going to say it, he was a good hunter. He was for sure oh, a yeah. good hunter. He was hunter, a proven, you know? proven expert. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it, it's just hard to fully write it off because, you know, I, yeah, I know the sketchy stuff that went down, but there's been other deer and you've sent me pictures and I've seen pictures myself of other deer that have the same close to the same characteristics as that buck as far as like the base is being farther apart from others and you know it's it's still wild dude we never know what could happen as far as like a deer's you know body structure and stuff so maybe maybe he did just end up getting lucky finding a deer that had a different body structure than other deer did that's not to say that you know i'm 100 percent believing in it but that's kind of my argument when someone's like oh it there's no way i'm like well we can't say that because we don't even know everything in the ocean we can't know everything about you know an animal like we still learn new things about animals every single day so yeah and he, he was the expert at pinpointing areas where bucks could mature to uh um i'll say at peak age in terms of body size and antler size yeah the thing to keep in mind is this buck was seven and a half years old at late 260, 270 pounds, somewhere in that range, I believe. Um, everything lined up, just from the body to the antlers to the area it was in. Um, you know, not too many people had seen it uh, alive, but there's at least two people that have come forward and claimed to have seen this deer alive on foot. Not really? zero, but it's not many. And you wouldn't expect it to be many, though, if the deer was able to make it to seven and a half years old and you know, a low pressure area. He was the expert at um, at really understanding um, the deer, but also getting in those, you know, lower pressure areas and getting access to those lower pressure areas up in that up in that area, not just there where he shot it, which you kind of have an idea where it was, but um, a couple of the others. You know, he going back to Missouri. He he said he you know he shot the state record at age 13 or whatever and broke his own record then again um 
those records are so old it's it's hard to validate them you can't really prove it um, um, to be true or not because it was before real good record keeping um, in the state or even nationally in Missouri but then comes to Michigan um, and uh, and that original state record uh, 180 class deer um, he shot was legit was on the up and up everybody knew about it I know I personally spoken to other people who were hunting the same deer and I know exactly the spot it was it was taken and it's it's not all that close to uh, the spot where he took the uh, 216 inch supposed potential world, world record buck uh, so it, the thing to keep in mind is then years later he shot 198 inch nearly 200 inch super wide nine point which i've sent you pictures of as well mm-hmm. and that was in you know that was 30 45 minutes northwest of there in Lelanau county and a whole, whole nother county whole other area so the story does check out that you know even though these were all sort of anomalies big bucks he was able to find them in different places it's not like one line of genetics and people keep going back to oh these you know this line of genetics is similar with all these wide racks this that and the other and it's it's i don't think there's a high correlation of the line of genetics i think there's a high correlation of the ability to locate the biggest buck in in a in an area or or the most mature deer to harvest and gain access to it and go for it that's that was very telling to me yeah i mean like you were saying with him being able to find you know the big deer and like where they hang out i mean that it it just goes back to what i was saying before about you know if you go in the woods trying to learn about deer you're going to learn about deer and if you spend enough time and start realizing like okay this is what i've seen you know either seen a big buck bedding in or maybe he busted him out while he was scouting or, or maybe he went hunting in there and saw one and just didn't get a shot i mean that that is something that I feel like it doesn't even need to be said is if you learn what big deer like you can find them and especially a deer like that one I mean and the thing is too I never knew that there was people that actually had seen the deer on foot the you're talking about the 216 inch right correct yeah at I mean least that, people have claimed to see it alive and that that just adds more validity validity to it because mm-hmm. you know it's uh, yes people can lie Okay, I mean that's that's a given. People lie all the time, but for me, you know, it. Do they have a reason to lie? Yeah, maybe, but it's they didn't kill it. So I mean, what, what's the point now? Unless they're like you know just huge Rompola fans and they want people to think it's real. Okay, fine, I can accept that. But at the end of the day, the dude knew what he was doing, so it, it doesn't really surprise me that you know he was able to find a deer like that if the deer was actually real. And the thing is too, like you mentioned genetics, dude, genetic anomalies happen all, all the time. I mean, it it's it's crazy what deer can turn into. I mean, nobody ever would have thought there'd be 200 inch deer in Atlanta and Seek One does it all the time. Or I'm not gonna say all the time, but they do it quite frequently. And it, you know, it could have been just as simple as that. It could have been just a deer that the genetics were there or it was smart enough to you know stay hidden for all those years and only be seen by i guess three people that we know of and one day he just slipped up you know because the one the one main thing and i said it earlier 
the one main thing I always had an argument with whenever someone would say, oh, it's 100% fake. How in the world, unless you pay them off, and Mitch, we both know, and I'm sure a lot of people know too, Mitch wasn't a rich guy. He wasn't like rolling in money and all that stuff. How are you going to pay off a DNR officer to say, oh, it was legit? I mean, you you must be the world's best yeah. fabricator if you're going to trick a DNR officer. Well, you know what I mean? The head, the, the, the hole in that story that people poke and not to play the other side is mm-hmm. that county, it has, um, I'll say, limited DNR presence because they use conservation officers from the tribe. Okay. And it's, it is the Grand Traverse, um, Chippewa, Ojibwa uh, Indian tribe mm-hmm. um, of Northwest Michigan who, um, who serve as conservation officers. So the argument there by the naysayers is that it's not a, not a true state DNR officer that was involved. Nonetheless, it was the conservation officer assigned to that area regardless. So yeah. I, they still have to be qualified and approved by the state. But, you know, it's just all these little these little things that people find to talk about, you know, one side or the other. Um, speaking of that conservation officer and, and the, uh, um, and I'll say the others that saw and inspected this deer, that was actually number two on my list for supporting evidence of why it would, would be and could be real is that all the firsthand accounts uh, by those who saw it, felt it, touched it, all said uh, it was legit. Um, you had Bill Bailey, the uh, uh, Native American um, tribal uh, conservation officer who we were speaking about, uh, Lee Holbrook, who was uh, one of the scorers, Gary Berger, mm-hmm. L. Brown. These were the Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young, and commemorative Bucks of Michigan uh, scores. You had friends and family. You had the butcher shop account, uh, the actual uh, processor he took it to. Uh, they didn't have a scale. You wanted them to weigh it. Uh, they didn't have a scale, but nonetheless, um, you know, the neighbors, uh, in close family, friends all have the same account. I, we, we don't hear of anybody who said, hey, I was there. I saw it. I felt it. I touched it. And I had a lot of questions about it. It's actually just, just the opposite. Yeah. And yes, these people saw it at different points. Some saw the deer dead in the flesh, the body. In the back of the truck, picture I sent you earlier today, mm-hmm. they saw it like that. Some saw it just the skull cap and the horns, but the exposed skull cap. Others saw the um, uh, the mounted version of it. The guys who scored it actually scored it when it was mounted. He used a different cape to mount it. It was mounted very, very quickly after it was shot, sometime in December or January, because he already had a uh, already had a, a, a cape tanned mm-hmm. uh, ready to go. Which brought up more questions, but we know he was an antler and a and a deer junkie and had all sorts of antler skulls and capes laying yeah. around and all sorts of stuff. But um, nonetheless, any n- nobody that saw it firsthand brought up any um, red flags or concerns about it. And that's kind of my my second point here out of six or seven that I wrote down <laughs> about why why it would be real. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, like. A DNR officer, his buddies, maybe not his buddies, but people that knew him, I can't see back then them trying to, you know, really see any sort of gain from saying it was real. I mean, maybe to get some notoriety, you know, for knowing 
the guy who holds the world record and and all that stuff. Maybe, but it yeah, just but seems... nobody was getting super rich off of it. Not exactly. Even, not even Mitch himself. Exactly. Right? What did, What did Mitch walk away from? You know, people act like he worked, walked away from a world of riches. He walked away from a couple ten thousand dollar offers to get X rays and and some tours and some uh, and uh, some. Um, uh, sponsorships, but uh, it, one, it was not life changing money, in my opinion. Yeah. And two, and two, it probably wouldn't be a level of wealth he was even would even be inter- interested in, knowing the way the guy lived before and after this all happened. To be honest. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that I keep pointing back to is like, I say it all the time, dude. Like, if I if if one day my wife just up and leaves, God forbid, <laughs> but. If one day she does that, I could 100% see myself going down the road Mitch did as far as, like, being a dear person, only focusing on that. I mean, that's something I would probably do. And just sort of putting myself in those shoes, it it kind of – it makes sense because, you know, I would learn a lot. I'd find where these deer are at. If you have the time – and I think Troy Troy mentioned something about this um, when he was on Kevin's podcast – um, if you have, let's just say 250 days out of the year to go scout or maybe do, uh, like an observation sit or something, right? You'll have encounters. You'll see animals that you probably wouldn't see on a camera. You'll find sign in places you never would have thought. And you just learn from that. So if Mitch really was basically a deer in a human body, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And throw out all the other stuff, you know, the the eyewitnesses, the the fact he wouldn't get it x-rayed, the money he turned down. Before this deer showed up, nobody ever questioned him. And that's the thing for me is like, okay, maybe he really was just the kind of person that, look, I don't want all this, you know, spotlight. I don't want the attention. I just, you know, I just shot this big deer. It's just a deer. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing and to hell with it. You know, I could see someone saying that, but, you know, it, it, it just, it's hard, man, because the, the deer is extremely impressive, and it, like I said, there's, there's monster deer hiding away in every state, so, I mean, he could have just found one, and it turned out to be the deer that he shot. But I'm curious, so you said you've got like six or seven, you know, bullet point notes that you wrote down. What's, what, what's number three? <laughs> number three are the live photos he's got of this deer um several different uh i'll say instances and orientations of the of encountering the deer alive mm-hmm. and yes they brought up questions people say oh there's a tree in the way oh it could be a mount um there's two factors in my opinion about all the live photos that make this deer more legitimized and validated uh, than any others. And the two are, um, first, the, the ears. <laughs> yeah. The ears The ears go straight back, okay, in, in the live photos. And all the mounts, the ears are forward. So mm. it would have to bring about a theory of a second mount, which is kind of crazy. But nonetheless, all the, all the ears are, um, are back. Uh, especially on the uh, the view of the deer from behind, the ears are sticking back. And any picture you'll ever see of the mount, the deer, the ears are forward. Yeah. So that 
that doesn't uh, support the fact that it could be a mountain to me. It supports the fact that um, it was legit and it is a true live photo. The other is the matchup of the cape on the head-on facing shot of the deer alive. Mm-hmm. And the cape, so <laughs> this is where it gets a little complicated. Mitch put a different cape on it when he mounted it. Yep. As he, he mounted it a lot faster than the original cape could have been tanned. But nonetheless, um, the, the uh, head-on shots of this deer in the woods uh, are clearly, clearly the same face, same cape as the kill shot photos and not of the mount. Yep. Uh, if it were just a mount put out in the wild and, you know, yes, people point to the fact that you don't see anything besides what you would see on a shoulder mount. Uh, between the trees or behind a tree but that said it nothing about that deer in those pictures matches the mounted deer on his wall it's not the same cape not the same face not the same markings and the ears are back not forward so you'd almost need two separate mounts to pull that off and i i don't know if that would have been even realistic in terms of how much work that would take to do and uh, just the, the thought and effort that would go into it. So to me, I once questioned all the live photos. The more I dove into them, there, I, I, it supports it being the actual deer. Um, you know, there's all these comparisons between um, the potential world record buck and the, the face and the cape on it and comparing that with another deer he shot. But these live photos show that face and that cape on on the rack of the record deer. Yeah, and what's funny about that, you said something earlier about the ears. Um, that, I could be remembering wrong, but if I remember right, there's a photo of the deer facing him, and then there's a photo of the deer turned away. And if you look at, am I, am I right on that? That's correct. Okay. So there's officially two live photos one facing facing him or facing the camera and one facing away yeah exactly so what i noticed on those is the one facing him the ears are pointed towards him like you'd expect from a whitetail that it once it sees you that's like the first thing they do is turn their ears towards you to see if you're making any noise or, or anything like that when it turns away its ears are pinned back so that included with the mount that had <clears throat> the really the different cape i'm not going to talk bad on it um no but it was an older cape it wasn't it yeah, wasn't, yeah 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 it wasn't as nice as the original exactly one for sure. but what gets me about it is if you look at those photos take the photos take the you know the walk-up video or the the grip and grin shot he would have needed three mounts and why what makes no sense to me is why would you why would, let's say he did use those mounts. Okay, let's just say he had three mounts of the same exact rack, somehow the same cape and all of that. Well, why wouldn't you use that as the mount you show off when it's mounted? And and the thing is, too, how is that face going to match? Now, I know deer look very similar, but you, you've dove into it like a freaking FBI agent, man. I mean, you've, you've picked apart everything on this deer, and you've pointed out some stuff to me that I'm like, yeah, no, that's this, that's 100% the same deer. Um, 
you know, in the, in the live photos and then the the kill photo. So, it, you know, it, it's if you're going to do that, I mean, the only logical explanation is you would have to take the cape that's on that mount you use for the live photos and put it on the dead deer, which again, that's just so much work. Why go to all that trouble? And I feel like that would be something that'd be very hard to cover up, you know. Um, so yeah, those live photos, man, they they get me because. I'll look at that and I'll see the ear movement and, and everything else. And I'm just like, well, that's a big stretch to say he did three, three mounts. And if he made those mounts, why was this, why was the official mount? So, so much worse, you know? Yeah. You could take your time, I guess, but I've seen other mounts of his and they're not like world-class no offense to Mitch, but they're not. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you that those live photos have sort of changed my opinion on it. Um, because it, it just seems like it's way too hard to try and fake something like that. Well, yeah, and, and to your point about the ears being forward and, and the picture, the head-on pictures of live deer with the ears forward, it's very clear and obvious that that cape is not the cape that the deer was mounted with. Exactly. With the ears forward. Yep. It's, it, it's the cape from all the kill shots. Yeah, so. so it just seems like a lot of work to go through to try and claim a world record. I mean, people have done crazier things. So I'm not saying he couldn't have, but right, I right. just don't but see it. When I think about that amount of work, it'd probably be less amount of work for for anybody who opposed this deer was a naysayer to, um, um, you know, to try to put together photos of uh, uh, that dead deer with with different antlers on it, yeah. whether it's photoshopped or whatever it was. You know, we look at we look at this photo of what appears to be a deer with the same face, same cape with smaller antlers. I mean, the effort there to do that these days would, would be a lot less than what, what it would have taken Mitch back in the day to, to fake this, to be honest. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I've looked at those photos um, side to side a few times. And, you know, it, it is it is convincing to a point, but at the same time, it's deer deer do look similar and there is a good chance that this one deer that was the world record supposedly and then this other buck that he killed um i mean dude it it wouldn't shock me if they had some of the same or not same but very similar facial marking structure all that stuff because they're both old deer well, what if they're what if they're uh siblings what if they're exactly twins you know exactly. most most does have 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 twins each year right there's there's other explanations for why they could you know they could be of the same genetics and 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 have similar uh markings and, and, and facial structure the, the thing to keep in mind is the um you know i not to discredit anything um that uh um bk outdoors looked at here because um, yeah. i kind of got on that bad bandwagon as did you for a while but <laughs> The quality of the of the other deer pictures is is, is not good. No, it, it's you know it's hard to compare. It's just hard to compare photos from the nineties. Yeah, all know it. I mean they're all grainy, and you know it. Uh, what Brian did, I mean he he like I said he brought up a good point, and he pointed out some very very good you know details that I never would have would have noticed. But again, like you said, they could have been related. Or they could have just looked the same. I mean, if if you tell me to look at like my deer tank that I was hunting, or I say my deer, he's not my deer, but 
the deer tank that I was hunting last year, the big 130, um, basically the target buck I had all season last season. And you look at pickles. The only difference is tank is bigger. That's it. Their faces look almost identical. They don't have the same rack, obviously. But, you know, it, it's really hard to differentiate a deer by its face unless it's got some crazy marking or like you know a, a scar or injury or something like that and i mean there's multiple different types of subspecies of deer so it could have been you know that the supposed world record and that other buck that we're talking about could have been the same subspecies so they look similar you know i mean there's so many things and i know this is all just our you know our opinions and stuff that you know we're pointing out and all that but it's not as simple to say, oh, he didn't want to get an x-ray, fake. Because not, he never came out and said, oh, I faked it. He never came out and said, you know, yeah, I drilled the antlers on or did anything like that. So, it, you know, it it's all speculation. But at the same time, there's a lot of evidence, I feel like, really more for it to be real because of the live photos, because of the fact that it's a different cape on the mount, um, the walk-up video, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of things going against it, but there's also a lot of things going for it, you know? Well, that's where I was kind of going next with the, with the next one, Eric, was the um, number four on my list was that recovery video yeah. that you just brought up. I want to hear about that. And, well, I've watched it, yeah, I've probably watched it a hundred times, <laughs> and I've, um, I've watched it in its duration. I've watched it, just the video, and turned off the audio, and I've watched it also just listen to the audio and not watch the video uh-huh. and, and a couple of observations um everything in the video you know seems authentic looks legit uh people say the deer looked wet or washed or the leaves weren't um torn up where the deer crashed i mean that's hard i mean that's hard to say that's hard to debate even on higher quality video and this was you know, late nineties, yeah. uh, camera work, but nonetheless, um, you know, it appears authentic. Um, and one thing stuck out to me and it wasn't until I turned off the video and listened to the audio and it's Mitch's excitement and just pure emotion and awe. He was still in shock and he can take all the pictures, all the videos, all the, all the other analysis, of any imagery aside and just read the emotion of a person and he's someone we know didn't really smile yeah in in any any trophy photos but if you listen to him in that recovery video and just don't even watch the video just listen to the audio and hear how he talks about what he did it's a real rare unique and one-off in in my opinion one-off instance of uh pure emotion and joy out of Mitch. Yeah. He talks about how um, how uh, it was a short shot. I think it was only a 12 or 15 yard shot. Uh, he double lung. He calls it center shot it. So not too high, not too low. Yeah. Wasn't trying, said wasn't trying to get cute with it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, once he took the shot, he sat in his stand for a little bit, not knowing if he was really you know, he kind of had to pinch himself to realize it was real, yeah. that he saw it again, because he had seen it, he had other encounters. I mean, I, I brought up my questions to you about why why would he take pictures of it alive and not just shoot it? But yeah. nonetheless, uh, he had other encounters, failed encounters. He apparently missed it, 
uh, 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 a week or two prior to, to harvesting it. But um, my opinion, and you know, I know uh, audio lie detector expert, forensic expert on this, but what I hear in the audio on that recovery video is um, pure authentic joy and raw emotion uh, by Mitch in amazement and shock on, on what just happened. So yeah. I, th- I think that's mm-hmm. huge. I think that's often under uh, undervalued and overlooked, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd have to go back and listen to it because it's been a minute since I've uh, watched that video. But, <clears throat> I mean, dude, I'll tell you what. When I think it was probably like three or four years ago um, I came across that video for the first time. All right, I just started learning about the deer um, I mean, I knew about it, you know, growing up, but I never really dove into it. And it it's like you said, watching the video, it looks authentic. The only thing I have question, uh, really a question about is if he double-lunged it, where's the exit hole? But again, I double-lunged my deer last year. I had no exit hole. So that's not to say, like, you can double-lung them and just have no exit hole. Maybe it stopped in it, you know? And I've seen a lot of people yeah, say that. Yeah, if it catches a rib just right. You know, he was using a four-blade mechanical. Yeah. You don't know how that expanded, how well it did. It's also a short shot, so you don't know how much the broadhead actually opened up to to its full expansion. Yeah. And if, if it caught something on the other side and didn't go through, you know, I think the picture. I think the pictures in the video show, you know, the arrow is still halfway out of it. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's not unheard of. Yeah. Me. Uh, well, yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you know, I see people on Facebook sometimes say, like, oh, well, where's the exit hole if you double-lunged it? And I always want to comment, like, dude, there's not always an exit hole. You know, there's, like you just said, there's things that can stop it. And then you touched on the whole, the leaves being, you know, rustled up. I'm pretty sure that when I got when I walked up to Pickles last year, the leaves weren't really that rustled up. A deer doesn't always have to do that. They don't always do, like, the death kick on the ground or whatever you want to call it. And sometimes they just fall over and they might spaz out a little bit but they're not like you know sometimes they just lay down calmly yeah exactly so i'm with you on that if it doesn't happen right in front of you at you know within 30 or 40 yards if you're in a heavily wooded spot you might not know yeah you'll have no idea what he did so yeah i'm 100 percent with you on that um i'm not gonna lie dude i'm starting (laughs) you're kind of changing my mind here a little bit um before we did this, I was kind of on the more not believing side, but after hearing all of this, well, I, I, I might get you, you know, 60, 40, 80, 20 one way, and then yeah, you know, we'll do another episode, and I could probably get you back the other way, and that's that's what keeps the story alive, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and um, before we hit the next bullet point, it was killing me when you were up there, and you know, doing a, I I would assume a lot of research while I think you were visiting family or something like that, and. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and you know, you sent me. I think you drove past his place, and you were like, "Oh, guess." Or you just sent me a photo, and I was like, "Don't tell me." I was like, "That's not it." And um, you were like, "Yeah, same truck, all of that." I was like, "Dude, go knock, <laughs> please go knock, like go, please for the love of God, go try." And uh, you know, you you kind of gave me some insight on Mitch, and it made me feel a little. Um, a little bit of, not, I don't want to say pity because that sounds disrespectful, but it made me feel bad for him because, you know, I know that me just being a bow hunter and all of that, and I mean, yeah, I've got the podcast, but I wouldn't want the type of, you know, 
drama and I guess living hell that he went through um, after all of this. I can't even imagine having half the hunting community thinking that I'm a liar and that I'm faking stuff. And then, I mean, it'd be nice having the other half thinking I'm not, but you know, I just feel bad for him because I, I don't know what that's like, nor do I want to know. But, you know, I just have sympathy for the guy. So I kind of just had to get that out there because I know I've somewhat bashed him before. And, yeah, he's made mistakes, but everybody makes mistakes. So No, but, you know, we, we, we talked about it. And he's been very private, uh, very reclusive, mm-hmm. you know, not, a, not really too many public appearances, not on social media, you know, something – even though some people think he, he's secretly a participant in the uh, the fan club, I, I just I don't <laughs> see it personally. I don't I don't see it. I don't think he has the interest. I don't think he has the motivation. Yeah, um, that'd be hilarious if he was though. It would be hilarious <laughs> for sure. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is he really he started to go quiet long before this. And yeah. what I mean by that is he stopped entering deer in any of the record books. Um, long before '98, mm-hmm. it was sometime in the '80s. He had a he had a fallout with both Commemorative Bucks, Michigan, where he was a a member and chairman of, and he had a fallout with Boone and Crockett uh, over multiple multiple issues, and it apparently was tied to some of his personal legal issues, which I don't I don't correlate to support or not support this deer whatsoever, yeah. in my opinion. That stuff isn't uh, important when it comes to the deer's but, credibility. You know, he stopped, he stopped entering deer. He had what incentive to fake the deer um, if he was done entering records for over 10 years. I think he stopped in 87 was his last commemorative Bucks of Michigan entry. Yeah. So, so real, fake, whatever in between, he wasn't, he wasn't entering deer for for over 10 years yeah he wouldn't have, he probably wouldn't have entered it even if uh there was never controversy or uh questioning about it yeah um so you know people point to the milo hansen agreement how he signed that um why wouldn't he sign that if he's never going to enter the deer and he hadn't entered any other deer he shot for for 10 years so yeah you know he, he asked hunters here in michigan less than 10 less uh, uh, honestly, less than fifty percent of the hunters in Michigan enter deer in CDM. Um, the county I hunt in, uh, I track pretty well in that book, and it's the same twenty, thirty people entering deer, mm-hmm. and the guys really taking nice one fifties, one sixties every year by bow are not putting them in there. Yeah. and I've got a few deer that if I put in there would be. Um, top 10, top 20, I'd probably have three top 20 in the county if I entered them. And by no means do I believe I've shot the three biggest deer in the county ever. It just speaks to the lack of people entering deer in that book because you put your name on that deer in that book and the technology out there with Onyx and plat maps and everything else, people know where you t- where you've taken it. So you're basically telling everyone what you did where you did it nowadays yeah Um, so he was somewhat in my opinion you know here in michigan in the majority of films that weren't that stopped entering deer and uh you know the whole x-ray thing had he done it he would have been the first and only to ever have to do that yeah 
I think it would have been just as much, if not more, questionable if they actually went through with it. To be honest, like I, I wouldn't go through with that on any deer I shot. Yeah, and I've never obviously faked a deer or had <laughs> swapped out swapped out a rack or, or modif- you know manufactured or modified anything. So, anyways, yeah. Um, well, and I before think, before we move and, on from that. I, I did talk yeah. to Dustin about that. Um, I think it was off the episode, but <clears throat> he and I talked about the whole x-ray thing, and he didn't have to get his x-rayed. And I know, I don't even think Milo had to get his. And it makes me think, like, if maybe there was some, and I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I'm starting to wonder with all the things I, like, the two, so there's two deer that stand out to me that should have been bigger or are bigger than um, the Hanson buck. And it's Mitch's buck and then the King buck. And both of those, um, Milo, I'm not going to say Milo was involved. Milo was definitely involved in the Rompola buck. But the King buck, Boone and Crockett, completely messed up. And it should have been the new world record. But for some reason, um, it almost feels like they're trying to keep the Rompola, or not Rompola buck, the Hanson buck as the world record Hanson as long as they can. Yeah. And oh, it yeah. doesn't make any sense because it's like, why? Why does it matter? Why does it matter if it's his? Okay, if it stands for a long time. I guess you could try to convince people there's credibility that, you know, typicals don't get that big, which they really don't. I mean, if you look at, you know, the record books, Justin Pope and Young, um, Buckmasters, all that stuff, they don't get over 200, much less over 210 that often. But why would you want to just keep this one deer at the top for the longest time? It, it just, there's some weird stuff I think going it, on. I think, I think it grew in value. I think it had a huge... Uh, you know a trade show following it's been sold mm-hmm. and you know re revalued reowned there's there's a huge incentive in keeping that value in place as number one so that was that was already a headwind against mitch yeah the other had the other headwind was his fallout with 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 Boone and Crockett. So not only did they have another buck that they've been fighting to keep as number one, mm-hmm. they also didn't didn't like Henson the late eighties when they had a fallout with him. Yeah, so it sounds like so it just it sounds like the world was against him, honestly. So the way I'm gonna put this, Eric, is that and I was I was saving this to close with, but <laughs> long story short and I'm not closing the yeah. conversation here, but long story short, whether the deer was legit or fake, I think we would have had the same outcome we're sitting with here today because of all the surrounding noise, if that makes any sense. Meaning like the controversy or? So just just all the politics. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's still politics, the politics with Dustin's book. Kyle Hansen, all the politics with... Uh, CBM and Boone and Crockett mm-hmm. uh, Mitch's nature Mitch not having entered any deer in a record book of any sorts for over 10 years I think we you know whether the deer was real or fake and we're talking about reasons why it would be real mm-hmm. that, the, outcome, the outcome very well could have been the same either way yeah that wouldn't surprise me because I mean I'll be honest dude I have no intention of probably ever entering a buck in a Boone and Crockett I would do Pope and Young, even though I know they're kind of with Boone and Crockett now. But, um, you know, I've always been partial to Buckmasters because they do it in a way that, you know, they're measuring all bone and there's no deductions, which their their method seems like a good method to me. 
because you're not measuring what isn't there or you're not taking away stuff that's there. You're measuring what's there. Now they don't do inside spread, but still, I mean, I don't know. There's, dude, I could do a whole episode of what every, I think about every that. Every organization, yeah, and we could, we could have an episode just breaking yeah. down the differences, how one organization measures deer versus the other. But, you know, if you ask Guinness Book of World Records what the biggest deer is ever, they tell you the one that weighs the most, body-wise. Yeah. You know, it, everybody's got their own, everybody's got their own uh, uh, metrics and, and, and qualifications, and it's at the, at the end of the day, it gets very, very subjective, right? Yep. That's true. So, what number are we on right now? Five? We have kind of bounced around. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. That's my ADD monkey brain working. Five went to six, but what five was and what, what is a good last one mm-hmm. is this fan base and cult following he's got. So, oh, you've got man. a fan club with over 7,000 members. Um,. Large, large national group of fans. Oh yeah, following very vocal states, not just here in Michigan. Yeah, they adamantly insist the deer is real. You can't convince them otherwise. You and I both know that. Yeah, Um, I haven't even tried. I, I love conversation with you because we can talk about both sides of it. Yeah. In that in that fan club, you can't really discuss both sides of it. It's it's only pro and Paula because they are one hundred percent convinced. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, the closer you get to Mitch, the more people are sure about this deer. And what I mean by that is the closer you get relative-wise, family-wise, friends-wise, first-hand accounts, um, it's less less skeptical the closer you get to him. So I just, I find it hard to believe. And I've got some very close friends here in Michigan that don't know Mitch or not from that area, but from what they know about it completely believe it's real and yeah they probably got some motivation to say michigan's home to the world record yeah even though the you know the his, historical statistics on our deer don't support it they would love that anomaly which you and i agree is possible to be from here i just i don't think you get a, a cult following and a fan base of you know over seven thousand people um if there's if there's not some potential legitimacy yeah. to the deer. Yeah, so, I mean, that that fan group, man, um, they're pretty vocal about how they feel about it. And there's some guys that go on there and they'll say some stuff, and I'm like, okay, you're just you're pulling a rabbit out of a hat right now. But, I mean, it, you, you have a perfect point there because, you know, it, it's just like the deer itself has been a topic of conversation for – what 25 years and 25 years this november yeah and so with there's things coming out like there was that um boone and crockett score sheet score sheet that wasn't the original but all the numbers match up um there's the first hand accounts like you said the closer you get to it the people that actually knew him all say it's legit and what it what it really is turned into um, and I guess, you know, we can close with this because I know you and I could go on for hours about everything to do with it. But um, the way I feel about it is, first off, it's a deer, okay? The fact that the guy pretty much, I'm not going to say lost everything, but lost a lot of credibility to a lot of people and now has to basically become a hermit because of an animal, 
I think that's terrible. I think that what the industry did and what the community did was pressure a guy who probably wasn't, you know, very um, public about his life. He probably wasn't very social with people. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, you know, he was more of a deer person than a people person. And I can totally understand that because, dude, I'll tell you what, there are days at work that I'm like, I'd much rather be hanging in the woods watching deer than listening to this guy complaining about something that I can't even handle today, you know? For sure. Yeah, so I totally get it. And I really really do feel for him because I'm like, I put myself in his shoes and I just think, you know, would I want a life that I couldn't go to the grocery store during the daytime? Because a bunch of people that live in this area know who I am and they're going to start, you know, calling me a liar or bugging me about an animal I killed 25 years ago. I mean, it, it's really sad. And I, I don't know if that plays into my belief in the deer. Um, it shouldn't. But at the same time, take that away. You start looking, like I said, the live video or live photos. There's apparently a live video somewhere. Um, there's the video of him walking up on it. And like you said, the audio of him being just ecstatic about shooting this deer. I don't even think I'd be walking. If I shot a deer like that, I probably would have called the ambulance and been like, hey, I'm having a heart attack. Make sure you grab the deer when you grab me, too. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, because it's just the the deer, and I call it the most legendary deer in you know modern history, I guess you could say. Because for an animal like that to survive where y'all are, I know it's not known to be a big buck state, but there are big deer killed there every year. Um and it's the same thing I said earlier about how Seek One has found giants in a city. All right? And, like, if they can live here, they can live up there. Because there's no ag fields. There's no, you know, giant, you know, farms that these deer can go to over in Atlanta. I mean, I grew up 20 minutes from where Lee and Drew hunt. Okay? So I know the area like the back of my hand. And it, there's nothing like that. Um, so it's 100% possible. And yeah, and it's and, and it's not that there's not as big of deer shot up here. There's just not as many mm-hmm. in that score range. There's not as many one fifty to two hundreds, but it's not. You know, it, it, it's it's the lack of frequency. It's not the, or I'll say it's the quantity. It's the the quality, not the quantity that exists here. To your point. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too is, you know, there's there's deer right now. I'm I'm guaranteeing it that on the public land. Um, WMA down here that I hunt I guarantee you there's a 180 running around somewhere there's probably a 200 running around somewhere but that deer is so smart because it especially with public land because it's gotten so much pressure it knows where to go where no human's gonna go I mean two years ago a buddy of mine were scouting um, I think it was like in August or July or something and I was just following him around you know because he knew the area better at that time and you know, we start walking into this super thick brush. I mean, dude, it was so thick I couldn't even see two feet in front of me, you know? And so I'm just following him. Thankfully, he's a tall guy. I would have lost him. But, you know, we're walking through all this stuff, and I'm just thinking there could be anything in here. Obviously not right now because we're not, you know, they're not going to be around us. But a deer can walk through that and find a way through it. And then when we got through the thick stuff, we went into this, like, big briar patch where we found a ton of hawk sign. And the whole time I'm just thinking, there could be a giant that somehow figures a way through this or stays in here or beds in here, and he's fully covered. And you would never know that he was there. And it was right by the road, too. So, you know, with the big woods and everything y'all have, I 100% could see 
you know, a deer being able to just hide away for seven years or however old that deer was and grow to be a big size. Because with the one thing I have learned about deer growth is antler size is based on stress, food, and age. And so if the deer, you know, say there's not a lot of predators in the area, okay, that stress is gone. If there's maybe one guy tromping around every now and then, there's no hunting pressure. If he's got a place to hide, he can go hide. And then he knows where the food's at. He knows where the water's at. He knows where the cover's at. I mean, it's not impossible for a deer like that to grow anywhere, not even just in Michigan, but anywhere. So I know I'm going on a rant. <laughs> no, but, no, no, but it's something I often say. And I'll kind of leave you with this. Mm-hmm. Is if, if you were a big mature buck, where would you go? And if you think about that, you could find a lot of places where you know hunters aren't going to be. Yep. So go where the people are. Find of a deer, as Mitch often did, and find where they're going to go where they don't think they're going to see you. And yeah. That's kind of what he had a track record of doing. So. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Well, man, this the this episode. I think we did. Uh, I think we did, Mitch some justice here <laughs> i really do um i, I hope so yeah I hope so you know yeah. he, we talked about how he kind of lives in hiding and doesn't come around much and you know yeah it's just it seems like a sad sad way to live honestly i don't and, yeah and i hate yeah, it for him i really do whatever whatever the whatever the truth whatever the reality is of this nobody deserves this no right and, and say he did fake it i mean I'm, I'd be the first one to forgive him. Be like, dude, I get it. You got wrapped up in the antler stuff. People do it. But I just have a tough time believing that he faked it. After everything we've talked about and the possibility of, you know, um, a deer like that growing just anywhere in the United States and him how, or basically how well he knew deer, how much time and effort he put into it and everything he learned and all the stuff he was saying before everybody else on the market was saying it. Um, it it points to somebody that was capable of finding a deer like that. And like you said, it's not the quality of the deer up there, it's the quantity. That doesn't mean that something like this couldn't be walking around there right now. I mean, it just because you're good at finding deer, maybe with, honestly what it could have been is Mitch was good at finding deer and maybe he got lucky. You know, I, I don't mean to take away his credibility or anything like that, but nobody could he could have got too good at what he was good at. Yeah. So, I don't know, man, but um, this episode, I, I it's got me hyped. <laughs> it really does. Uh, we need to do well, another like one I soon. Said before we'll do another one. Yes, we need to do another one soon. I wanted to do it more frequent, but life and everything got in the way, so. Um, no, we can do one once a month, I think. Yeah. I think that'll be great. Yeah, I completely agree. So I guess the next one we can cover, you know, why maybe it's not real and you could change my mind again. <laughs> but I don't know, dude. It it might be kinda hard at this point. Sounds good, Eric. It's been a pleasure. I uh, appreciate the time with you and look forward to the next one, man. Yes, sir, me too. Appreciate it, man. All right, talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. If you don't mind, go on Apple, go on Spotify, wherever you listen to this and give us a five-star review. It really helps out. And, you know, I just want to give 
all the glory and all the thanks to God. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. We wouldn't be able to do anything without him. So just needed to throw that out there. Thank you again for listening and don't forget to give us a review.